0: Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, a weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Polykeg, the best performing and easiest to use one-way keg on the market. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter, every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit our website at thisweekincraft.beer. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Tom from Little Earth Project based in Suffolk. Tom grew up helping out his father in the family cidery before launching his first brewery, Mill Green, in 2008, focused on producing car scale with American hops. In 2016, driven by a love of sour beers, he pivoted to launch Little Earth Project, a name inspired by a quote from Jester King founder Jeffrey Stuffins. The result is arguably the most hyper-local brewery in the UK, utilising wild and organic farmed ingredients from the local landscape. Tom, please introduce yourself and tell me about your beer journey and how you came to start Little Earth Project.
1: So I'm Tom from Little Earth Project. I'm the brewer and also the founder. As you just said, it started a long time ago, making cider. My family's been doing for 35 years now. So basically from the year I was born, <laughs> and it was more of a hobby. It was a, an interest that my, my parents had. They enjoyed going to local pubs and, and were members of camera and, right. and they liked cider. And there wasn't really many cider makers out there making a traditional East Anglian cider, which is a little bit different to West Country cider in terms of the, the apples that are used. Um, right. So that kind of moved on. And back in 2005, we became involved in a local pub and uh, and basically tried to save the local pub, (laughs) which is the White Horse in uh, (laughs) Edwardston. So it's been kind of quite a long journey since then. And the beer scene in the UK has changed a lot. Uh, since then and the kind of pub scene has changed a lot as well so it's been a bit of a long journey Um, with the pub back in 2008 we thought putting a little brewery next to a pub would be quite a nice thing to do and be an extra attraction to a pub that's quite remote definitely Um, yeah and there was some stables that had basically blown down in the storm in 87 so they'd been uh, put back together but not in a particularly pretty way and kind of needed something doing to them so we took those stables and and, and built a brewery on that on the on the same footprint basically it was a completely different building but we tried to do everything in a low energy way and a low impact way so we used lots of the materials that were already on the site there right. from the old building we used some of the old bricks from the old building for the plinth of the building we used the rubble from the from the very basic foundations that was was there to kind of mix in with the lime foundations that we put in for the new building. Nice. Lots of the big bits of wood used in the new building were sourced locally. Got 25 meters of solar panels on the roof that feed into a hot water tank for brewing. It's lime plastered upstairs and uh, sheep's wool insulated. So we kind of tried to do some interesting green things. Terrific. Um, yeah, so that brewery became Milk Green Brewery back in 2007, 2008. I was actually running the pub and I had an interest in brewing. I'd kind of helped out with friends home brewing before and I wanted to take that interest a step further and, right. uh, and start brewing it on, on site. Start very, very small and work up, which is what we did. Yeah, um, Went and did a course at Brew Lab up in summer. Okay, nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um,
1: which was very helpful. hmm very good for teaching you the basics and what you need to know to to kind of start a small business like that. And yeah, started producing, to begin with, pretty pretty kind of traditional cask beer, bitters, stouts, milds, things like right. that. So, uh, But we kind of put our own twist on those styles. So we did a mild that was 2.9% but used um, quite a bit of smoked malt. So mm-hmm. that carried on for, for several years. And we were one of the first small breweries in the UK to use some of the more kind of interesting hops that came along out of the US right. and, uh, and New Zealand. So Nelson Sovon, we were we used those hops kind of very, very early on. Okay. and Citra and Sriracha Ace, which is mm-hmm. kind of an interesting one. So it did, did kind of hoppy pale ales in cask and we did okay it ticked along but it wasn't it was becoming more and more difficult at that time to produce cask beer and actually make any money out of it actually make a living out of it people expect the beer to be a certain price and publicans therefore kind of expect it to be a certain price and uh, Uh, it's very difficult to uh,
0: i was gonna say you're possibly slightly ahead of your time do you think there as well because past few years obviously there's still that price pressure on cask beer but at least there is perhaps a broader market for people that are Looking for niche novelty cask beers and prepared to pay a fair price for them. Is that do you think that's that's the reason? Yeah, comment? I think um,
1: I, I think there probably is there is still kind of a, a niche market out there for those kind yeah. of more specialist cask beers. I think, and uh, if you look at all the, the the bigger brewers that were doing those more interesting pop forward beers back in that kind of time, lots of them have become very big. People like Brewdog, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, we sold some of their beer in cask back in the in the pub back right when they started so
0: okay (laughs) um,
1: yeah punk ipa on cask back Mm -hmm. in 2008 i think it was so and thornbridge uh, beers like jaipur and kipling and stuff we we kind of really enjoyed those beers and we wanted to make things similar to that right with our own twist and fast forward to 2015 we were getting to this point where we kind of knew that we had to change something in the brewery and Do something a little bit different at that point. We were already growing some of our own hops, right? And also growing some organic barley on a small Mm -hmm. field close by. And we just thought we putting these into cask beers and uh, cask and selling them at at, you know a few quid a pint.
0: Yeah,
1: it kind of uh, people who were buying them weren't appreciating. The kind of time and effort and no. the local nature of the beers. And then we were doing all this organically and, as well. So it's very difficult to actually kind of get that message across with the kind of beers that we were making and the way sure. that we were packaging them as well. So, yeah, we decided to go take the brewery in a slightly different direction. And we kind of look back to the, the cider making that we we do. So mm-hmm. um, when we make cider, we just press the apples and let the apple juice naturally ferment. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, during that time when we got more into into beer, me and, and my family so my dad my mum my brother and sister we've been on this journey kind of getting into more more interesting beers. yeah absolutely a whole um, life journey by we, it
0: sounds like. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so we, we, do, we basically discovered sour beers mm-hmm. and could see that connection with the, the natural cider that we were making Yes, and thought, why can't we do something interesting along those lines mm-hmm. with the brewery that we've got. The brew kit that we've got is very hands-on and quite small and actually kind of quite versatile in what it can do just mm-hmm. because it's it's so small and, and hands-on. So it fitted doing that anyway. Right, rather than brewing every day to try and uh, pump out some casks mm. just, to, just to try and make it work just because the kit was so small. It was a lot of work for not a lot of, well, for losing money in the end. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it
0: certainly
1: um, sounds like it, yeah. So we knew that we had to kind of package this beer differently, but we also wanted to be able to do it on site and in a, in a kind of really simple way. So we right. hand bottle everything. Everything's mm. just done by like a hand capper that a, a home brewer would use. Yeah. But that's what we wanted to build. We wanted to have something where, it was hands-on from the ingredients being grown all the way to the beer going into bottles. And we put the labels on ourselves as well. So um, we actually got a little uh, kind of a hand-labelling machine about this time last year. So that's been a little bit... Sounds easier. like a bit of a sell-out to me,
0: Tom, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, we wanted this story of, of using local ingredients. And, yeah. and like you mentioned in the introduction, that's where the name comes from. So we've looked all over the world actually uh, people doing similar things Mm -hmm. obviously you've got the breweries making sour beer in belgium who have been doing it for in in some cases hundreds of years yes but also people like jester king in Mm -hmm. in in the u.s who have created this brewery where they're trying to use as much local ingredients as possible and represent their area and and making unique beers right um, rather than just uh, producing you can produce a hop forward ipa almost anywhere in the Yep. in the world use the right water treatment and mm-hmm. uh, and buy the right hops as long as you keep them fresh and, and and get the right grains in and got a good kit you can make a good ipa anyway yep. so yep. we thought well we'll almost do the opposite and make something that can't be made everywhere right um, and do it with the kit that we've got even though it's not ideal and mm-hmm. use our own water and don't treat the water we, we've got our own borehole so
0: right okay yeah. great
1: and to, to begin with it was very much see what happens Mm-hmm. um and the beer was okay i think we've improved it with time and mm. uh, and practice there wasn't many people doing that at that time no
0: <laughs> so uh, <laughs> well there still aren't oh there's no, half no. a dozen preps in the uk yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. maybe 10 there's certainly no more than 10 that's a very small group of very creative brewers as far as i can see that there's plenty there's room for a few more although i'm sure yeah <laughs> not not many people have got the patience and dedication to to, to no. do what you're doing i shouldn't imagine <laughs> so what, what's the capacity of your brew kit
1: we can brew about 700 liters at a time uh-huh. four four and a half barrels in old money
0: yeah and then it, pretty much everything is barrel aged um Um, yeah
1: we we do do a a few bits on the side that are aged in stainless tanks or put into stainless tanks at some point but everything has is aged with wild yeast um, which is basically we use fermenting cider or the yeast dregs the leaves from the cider that we make as our kind of house culture right so everything takes time
0: (laughs) so how many barrels have you got at the moment
1: so we've got kind of a A few bigger ones and a few smaller ones. So most of them are about 200 and something litres. We've got quite a few ex-wine barrels, one or two ex-whiskey barrels, and a few whiskey butts as well, which are about just over 400 litres. Right. And nearly every week we'll be emptying barrels and filling them up again.
0: Mm -hmm. And how many times would you typically reuse a barrel? Just a matter of interest. Um, It
1: can be, sometimes we'll only use them once. And sometimes there's barrels in that brewery that we've refilled probably three or four times now. Mm -hmm. And as long as the beer coming out of them is good, we keep reusing them. (laughs) Sure, why not? Yeah, Um,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of the way we look at it. If we have a a dud beer come out of a barrel, for some reason it it goes very acetic or vinegary right Um, that's the main problem it's it's oxygen getting into the barrels right and it'll produce all sorts all sorts of off flavors um and when a barrel goes like that it gets turned into flower tubs
0: garden table or whatever yeah 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 it was a market isn't it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah we 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 sell a few actually Mm -hmm. uh, we did some this may actually we did a little pop-up plant pot sale
0: (laughs) nice yeah absolutely they look
1: they look pretty in the garden
0: yeah definitely definitely so doing a bit of homework this afternoon, Tom, I, I read that you launched Little Earth Projects with Beer Gonzo in Coventry as one of your launch partners. Um,
1: yes, it wasn't something that was kind of uh, set up or anything. It was mm-hmm. just that um, Ant from Beer Gonzo showed a lot of interest in what we were doing over, over social media and contacted us and said, well, when you get some stuff out there, we'd love to... Love to have some and uh, and they've got kind of a physical shop, but also Hmm. an online shop. So it can reach a, a fairly wide audience.
0: Yeah, I've been there a few um, times. And- I, I think it's a, one of my favourite bottle shops. It's quite small, isn't it? But it's brilliantly stocked. Great staff, um, and I absolutely love their little secret tap room out the back. Um, yeah, it's almost like it's. It feels a bit like a speakeasy to me. It's almost like you know you shouldn't something a bit illicit about sitting out the back there drinking. I'm sure it's you know I'm sure yeah, it's all completely a- above board, but it gives gives me that impression, which is uh, you kind of
1: got to sneak past the beer store and yeah <laughs> uh, to get there, don't you? So, yeah, yeah, we, um, I, I went and did a tasting there a couple of years ago as well, which mm. was, uh, which was good fun. Nice. Um, so yeah, they're, they're very knowledgeable, and that's kind of what we look for, um, in kind of selling our beer because it's, imagine, it's very yeah. different. So having someone that can talk about it and understand it, that kind of worked very well for us.
0: No, definitely. Let's have a chat about this first beer. I've just finished actually the first glass of it, but I'm just going to pour a second glass because you were kind enough to send me a. 750 bottle, so it's. I'm not going to drink it all, but I'm going to put a cork in it, finish it tomorrow. So this is your stupid sexy Suffolk blend number three, 5.5% Flanders red. The taste notes I have says combining ten barrels of varying aged beer, a mixture of pale rye, wheat, and chocolate malt. Aged hops are added in the boil to give the beer a note of tannin. Finally, the beer was aged in barrels with the house mixed culture to give a finished deep ruby beer with tannin, spice, acidity, sweetness, and a hint of oak. Sounds great. <laughs> Tastes better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So this was this particular beer is when we started the brewery is, is is the kind of beer that we wanted to wanted to brew. So inspired by the sour beers of Belgium, but right. done it done in our own unique way. So you know we, we were I think lots of people when they first get into kind of mixed fermentation sour beers they'll have something by Rodenbach or. Right or Duchess de Burgoyne or something, and um, they're, they're they're kind of maybe a little bit sweeter than some other sour, Belgian sour beers. Right, so maybe they're a bit more approachable, but they're also very complex. So they've got often got kind of a, a, a balsamic note to them, and right. they're oak aged. So there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah. yeah, so they're rounded, drinkable beers, but also beers that are quite complex, and that's what we wanted to try and recreate in our own way. So using our own hops and our own barley. Right. Um, and doing it organically yeah. as well and using good organically grown British ingredients. Mm. We put a twist on it by ad- adding quite a lot of uh, rye malt to the grain bill. Right. And what we do is we, we kind of brew it as an occasional thing. And then every year or so, we, we pick out uh, barrels that we think will work together and we mm. blend them together and, uh, and, and package it. Nice. And this was quite a big one. So this was 10 barrels. This is probably the biggest blend that we've we've done.
0: Right. And this has been on sale for, for most of this year, this, this one, too. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: this came out at the beginning of this year. Right. Um, what we tend to do is we kind of have smaller batches that we that disappear straight away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we have bigger batches that we, we kind of hold on to and uh, kind of drip feed it in a little bit. So we can have something that's almost a permanently available beer. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah and yeah this this would be the beer that we kind of have we do that with so mm-hmm. um it's it's nearly always available we'll be doing another blend in february that will be ready in the middle of next year
0: right i think it's delicious it's got a lot going on for 5.5 percent. that's for sure it's got a really good depth of flavor hasn't it so this is fermented with your cider yeast basically yeah. yep and yeah. it, it has a you can taste that in it but also it's sort of a white winey kind of flavor to it as well i think it's it's not as sour as i thought it might be reading the description of it i I think it's to use the the taboo word in in beer descriptions it's beautifully balanced and i know everybody everybody (laughs) says they're trying to do that but i wish i could think of different words to describe a beer than than that but this is lovely so you mentioned already the white horse so that's currently closed but I guess, in mothballs waiting to, to reopen, hopefully next spring, is it? Or as soon as, as, soon um, yeah. as it's safe uh, to well, do so?
1: We had the pub open. Obviously, it got shut down in mm. uh, in March. And we opened it again in July with mm-hmm. the help of the our, our managers at the time. And yeah, it got to September... And we just kind of had to make a decision going forward. It looked like it was going to be more difficult for pubs to operate. And uh, our managers basically said, made our decision for us and said, we're going to go and have the winter off. We're just going to go and uh, have some time off. They they were kind of uh, in their early 50s and had Mm -hmm. been working in pubs almost nonstop for the last 20 odd years. So they took an opportunity to to go and have a break. (laughs) And um, we thought, well, it's going to be so difficult going forward we'll take this as an opportunity to to close the place down and Mm -hmm. uh and do a bit of work that needs to be done on the pub and and the brewery itself so we've been in there we've been giving it a bit of a a bit of a splash of paint we've actually got a little uh bottle shop operating from the end room of the pub right just selling our own beers and beers from a few other local brewers and a few kind of local ciders and yeah just kind of a just something to to keep people coming in. Just remind people that you're
0: still there. Yeah. Remind yeah. people we're uh-huh. still there. So uh-huh. yeah,
1: yeah. So my partner Danny's been doing that, and it's not been easy because we're in the middle of nowhere, and we opened the shop in November when people were told not to, not to leave their houses, basically. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, the timing was not great, but no. yeah, but it's it's been it's been okay. So yeah, it's been quite nice to kind of get back in there and keep things ticking over a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the next probably three months we'll carry on doing work that's needed, um, replacing some of the beer lines in there. We're replacing some of the furniture that's a bit old, more old and tired, but replacing right. it with stuff that's still right. still in character with the okay. place. And then the 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 aim is to reopen early April if we can. Right. Um, right. But kind of see what the restrictions are like and see yeah. I mean that's that's starting
0: that to fun. look more feasible isn't it than it did a month ago anyway so hopefully that's that's going to be achievable but sort of looking at at what it was pre-covid it it looks wonderful i mean the the, uh the good beer hunting article had a a photograph of your chalkboard with your beers and it just looked amazing the the combination of the guest cask beers and your own sour beers and some other guest keg beers as well um, and some ciders it just looked like a place that would be an amazing place to to sit and have a few beers and and there's a campsite next door you yeah. know so it just yeah, it we, just looks perfect
1: we have done and going forward we will we'll be looking to have a good variety of beer on and mm-hmm. uh, the kind of beer scene out here in east anglia is a, is a lot better than it was kind of four or five years ago yep we've got burnt, burnt mill just down the road from yeah, us of and, uh, yeah of course
0: yeah
1: um ampersand mm-hmm. we really like and doing really good stuff um, yep. we've got all day up yep. kind of further up in norfolk um doing some interesting beers kind of some mixed fermentation stuff absolutely and obviously duration, G- duration a little bit further now. up yeah so, yeah yeah so there's lots of good beer out there uh, so we, we want to kind of pub that a bit like the the brewery kind of represents the local area and uh, we get some of these good local beers in
0: Fantastic. It just looks to me like in the summer, I'm surprised anybody ever actually leaves. I mean, do do people not come for a fortnight's holiday and you have trouble getting them out of the field at the end of their stay, you know? Uh,
1: (laughs) We do have some people that come and stay fairly regularly, come back kind of re- repeat campers we've got two little uh, kind of holiday chalets as well they're kind of it gets uh, better <laughs> um, they're kind of uh, they're fairly basic places they're kind of two-storied glamping pots really <laughs> yeah they've got showers in them and uh, and, and beds and a kind of ki- kitchen and living room so they're good for kind of people with kids and nice. families so yeah um,
0: yeah sounds fantastic and you run a big you run eddie fest over the august bank holiday weekend so, so tell me about eddie fest
1: yeah, so we, we've been doing this for quite a long time, this uh, beer festival in August Bank Holiday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's mainly kind of cask-based, mainly as a legacy from when we first started it, which I think was 2006.
0: Right, uh, back in the Green Mill days, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we were we kind of built it up from a fairly small little festival to something that was quite big. At, at one point, we had over 100 casks of beer mm-hmm. over a weekend, which isn't bad for kind of a... A little beer garden <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, That's great. Yeah, we, we get this curtain-sided lorry down there and get bands to get bands to play. And, Fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, it's good fun. It's kind of mm-hmm. a, a little kind of mini music festival with good yep. beer. That's the kind of way we
0: we push it. Terrific. Well, hopefully Touchwood, that will be um, that'll be feasible this year. And yeah, it's uh, everybody's I'm sure desperate to get back to that kind of thing, aren't they? This is this has been a been a terrible yeah. year. Not, <laughs> I think uh, we've all been missing it. I oh, know. Anyway, I don't want to get don't wanna get into too much COVID sort of depressive kind of reminiscing <laughs> that's uh, done that to death in previous weeks. Um so you've mentioned Jester King as clearly an influence for you and some of the Belgian guys. Can you mention any other UK or international brews that, that have influenced your your style and your and your beer choices at, at Little Earth Project?
1: Well in the UK you've got people like Burning Sky, mark right. Burning yep. Sky is kind of a he was doing these style beers before we were in the mm. UK. So and he was pretty much the only person doing them when we yeah. started. So very probably um yeah definitely someone that we kind of look up to and and his beers are obviously not just the mixed fermentation stuff but the more standard beers that they do are all very good so
0: absolutely yeah. um,
1: definitely those guys and yeah and people like Mills who started uh, kind of soon after we did yep. um, uh, Johnny and Jen down there we know them quite well and
0: okay nice
1: they're obviously doing kind of very very good well honed home style beers so I think yeah there's in the uk definitely those those guys mm-hmm. um there's so many breweries out there kind of all around the all around the world doing interesting stuff and uh, it's kind of uh the the longer we do this the more people we kind of meet that are, all, that are doing interesting stuff all over europe we've done beer festivals in europe and there's lots of italian breweries doing some really amazing things and okay. nice um,
0: yeah yeah did you sort of go and do a grand tour before you pivoted to (laughs) assess the art of the possible or you know how how did you (laughs)
1: um i wish i had but i didn't it was it was lots of lots of reading lots of kind of ordering beers from all over the place there's uh i was doing lots of it while while still kind of brewing the the more traditional beer so right um, listening to podcasts while i was casking up beer and brewing (laughs) um yeah so that's kind of how i thought myself
0: nice Very good. Well, it looks like you taught yourself very well. Let's take a short break, Tom. (laughs) This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Polykeg, offering a simple solution to deliver your beverages around the world in prestige condition. Available in sizes from 12 to 30 litres with connectors to suit any market and with a nine-month shelf life, Polykeg is your number one choice for one-way kegs. Ready to fill, upside or downside with built-in pressure relief for extra safety and recycling. For a free sample or demonstration, call 01388 433 433 or visit www.polykeg.com. So I'm back with Tom from Little Earth Project for the second half of the show. Tom, the last few weeks I've asked the same question to start out the second half of the show, and so I'm going to stick with that with you as well, and ask you what makes you different. What is it that you think uniquely differentiates Little Earth Project from not just craft beer, in the UK, because that's too easy. But um, (laughs) let's talk specifically about the guys we were just speaking of at the break there, the likes of All Day and Duration and Mills and Burning Sky. Can you differentiate yourself even from those guys?
1: Yeah, there's obviously things that overlap. But yeah, I think that what we try and do and have nearly everything local and obviously Mm -hmm our locality as well. So although all day might be in relatively close, the things that they grow and forage uh, are different to us. Um, right. Yep. And with people like Burning Sky, we're doing it on a different scale. We're, we're quite a bit smaller and it does allow us to have that flexibility. Growing our own ingredients and trying to source everything locally is kind of, right. uh, I don't think there's many other people doing that, particularly no. doing it um, with, with organic ingredients as well. So mm-hmm. we just started working with a local farmer that it's going to grow some of the grain for us because nice. yep. it, and it will free up our own field for doing uh, maybe doing some more interesting things to do uh, growing some fruit. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that that's what makes us individual being kind of super hyper local.
0: Right. And when you're considering recipes, do you only consider what you can source hyper locally or do you consider doing something that required you to, to source an ingredient that wasn't local?
1: Um, probably, 99% of all the ingredients we use are, are, are locally sourced. But yep. we do occasionally use hops from further afield. So we've just done a, a barrel aged you know, mixed fermentation IPA with Amarillo and Nelson Sovan hops. So
0: That sounds good, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. So some of these beers will be try, trying to uh, yes. mix the two ideas. So mm. so maybe buying something in that isn't available locally, but but kind of trying to pair that and make it work with stuff that is local.
0: Yeah. And I'm not judging you for that at all, by the way. I think it makes perfect sense. I I think that you probably shouldn't be constraining yourself purely from, you know, what you can see from standing on your back porch or whatever that, you know, it's a great focus to have and sure that that it gives you great local provenance or whatever. But even still, I don't see why you can't bring the odd ingredient from further afield to make a particular beer that that you want to yeah
1: there's there's lots of interesting things out there and we try and pair those things with Uh with what we grow locally so we've made some some of the barley that we had malted we it was slightly darker and richer and made these these really good slightly rich slightly sweet sour beers right Um, we've paired that with vanilla and coconuts. I mean, yeah, um, I guess so. that's
0: a challenge, isn't it? When you're thinking about the sort of typical adjuncts that go into darker beers, yeah. not many of them grow in Suffolk. No. no. Uh-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, some fruits work very well so yeah. um oh, that's true. like
0: damson's uh, um, or whatever yeah.
1: um yeah and some hops as well that we grow ourselves so bramling cross we grow mm-hmm. some bramling cross hops mm-hmm. and they've kind of got that really good dark fruit flavor um, yeah. and we've actually done a version of the uh the the stupid sexy suffer with wet bramling cross hops in it
0: okay uh, uh-huh.
1: which was very good so
0: yeah jumping around a bit here but i perhaps meant to ask you earlier and didn't get around to it i saw a reference that you do quite a lot of fresh hop usage as well talk to me about what you did this year with with fresh hops and what what you would typically do
1: so we grow some hops we've got about 200 plants and we do it all kind of all by hand and all organically so some years are better than others um Mm -hmm. but we don't have any facilities on the site to kind of dry them very very quickly so we dry them on 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 racks, basically yep. made out of pallets, and so to get the most out of the flavor of the hops, you want to use them as as fresh as possible. Yeah. So we do use normally more than fifty percent of the hops straight away in September. Oh, nice. Whether that's putting them into into kind of blending tanks which have got beer in, or straight into barrels, or or use them in the in the hot side of a of the brewing process. Right. So yeah, we try and use them in lots of different ways. We do one beer every year, organic harvest saison, which we use fresh hops in the boil for bittering and at the end of the uh, boil for aroma and also put hops straight into the barrels when when they get put in the barrel. So yeah, those beers are kind of a a showcase of uh, of fresh hops.
0: Is that already bottled or is that still in the barrel?
1: So we produce that beer slightly differently. So we do a primary fermentation with a a saison yeast. Uh kind of just a commercially available one but then add our own mixed culture to it as it goes into uh, into barrels so it ends up it ends up quite dry not overly sharp actually quite well balanced Mm -hmm. and then we try and use the best of the hops that we've got and last year we did some different variants so we did one that was aged in a whiskey bar one Mm -hmm. white wine barrel and one in a red wine wine barrel and this year we're trying to match the hops with those barrel flavors as well so Mm -hmm. We've got one which is dry hopped with first gold in a uh-huh. in a white wine barrel and one dry hopped with some Bramling Cross in a red wine barrel, okay. which uh, should make them a little bit unique and a little uh-huh. bit different and kind of uh, making the same base beer and then kind of pushing them in, in different directions.
0: Right. Excellent. Let's talk about the beer that I'm drinking now. Have you got a glass of this, Tom, as well? I don't know. Um... Yeah. Excellent. So this is your hard graph, 6.3%. As, as what it says, it's a graph. It's a, a blend of saison and cider. The tasting notes I have say local organic golden delicious apples are pressed and the juice added to a barrel of five-month barrel-aged organic saison. The fresh yeast and sugars from the juice triggered a four-month re-fermentation, leaving a dry, tart and refreshing saison cider blend. Yeah, tell us about this one, Tom.
1: Yeah, so again, a bit like the um, organic harvest saison that we just mentioned, this beer was primarily fermented with a saison yeast, and then went into barrels with our own mixed culture of yeast Mm -hmm. those beers can be quite cider like because they're quite dry there's not a lot of residual sugar right they're obviously partially fermented with with our own yeast that comes from the cider which also gives it a bit of that that kind of slightly appley note often with those beers you get a little bit of a, a green apple flavor as well so we kind of thought well Why not really push the kind of a cider beer (laughs) hybrid thing as far as it can go? So we obviously make a little bit of cider. Um, We basically make one cider every year, which is just an organic dry cider, East Anglian style cider. So it's cooking apples and eating apples normally golden delicious and various sharp cooking apples right. um, bramleys mainly but sometimes some other other varieties for this we didn't add any bramleys because we thought it was it was going to be sharp and sour enough anyway right um, so we pressed some golden delicious which you you get a lot of nice green apple flavor from them yeah but they tend to kind of ferment very well as well so they 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 kind of ferment very dry right so we kind of matched a a, a cider that we could make that matched best with the style of saisons that we make
0: i think this works absolutely brilliantly the the saison flavor is very subtle in there i think the cider is the the more dominant flavor in this beer but i love the way the saison sort of balances it and there's that word again and i try not to use it but (laughs) this is really nice it's just got the right level of sort of very light carbonation in it that gives you sort of just a little tickle on the tongue it's just really really delicious thank you (laughs) how big of a production run did you do with this so this
1: was it was two barrels of saison basically blended with 200 odd liters of uh, of apple juice so about Uh just over 600 liters
0: right nice okay Uh that tends
1: to be the kind of biggest batch that we do most of most of our beers so it's it's very
0: small scale and, and this year you've been bottling almost everything, have you? Or do you, do you push some of this out in keg as well?
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> it's been an interesting year for that kind of thing because yeah. uh, we tend to leave our kegs and our bottles for several months before releasing them. They're all bottle or keg, keg conditioned. When you're dealing with wild yeast, you can sometimes it goes a bit further than you think and sometimes it uh, a little less far than you think. So getting the carbonation right is difficult. So you don't want to send out something that's suddenly going to re-ferment and... Uh, explode on the shelf of the shop somewhere or in someone's cupboard so yeah we we tend to to leave it the kegs and the bottles several months so this year was was obviously quite challenging and getting what how what you're going to put into kegs and trying to predict the balance of of, yeah the packaging yeah. yeah yeah having said that we're also quite lucky because our beer that it isn't as perishable as most. No. So we had a lot of kegs when lockdown came in in, in March. It's a, it's an issue when it comes to turnover and, and selling things. Yeah, your but... cash
0: is locked up in them, but you were yeah. still able to, yeah. to sell them in in August, I guess, when things loosened yeah, up a exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So so that beer didn't go down the drain, and uh, and we were able to sell some stuff during the summer. There was uh, other brewers were maybe a bit more pensive about putting beer into kegs, so there there was kind of a market out there during the summer. And nice. Yeah, it's been an interesting year getting the balance mm-hmm. right.
0: No, it's just an impossible challenge. Um, talking about beers going down the drain, what sort of failure rate do you experience generally?
1: Um, not massively high, but the, I haven't actually calculated it on a kind of year-by-year basis, but we do throw several barrels of beer away every year.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, this is the highest risk beer creativity yeah. you can do, basically, isn't it? You are putting yourself out there every time you brew a beer or, or stick it in a barrel. There's a lot can go wrong, isn't there?
1: Yeah, it's certainly somewhere between Five and ten percent
0: for us. I interviewed Vault City last week for the podcast, and uh, Andy there said they have about a ten percent failure rate built into their calculations. And he said that you know they're around about that.
1: Yeah, this kind of beer, you're using yeast. Uh, particularly with what we do, is we, you know, we're taking, we try and take the yeast from a cider that tastes nice. So <laughs> we're hoping to start. <laughs> we, we're not putting a lot of a, <laughs> a lot of a something that is a complete unknown out there. But mm-hmm. we don't, we don't have any of this. This kind of, we don't send the stuff to a lab. We don't know exactly what's in there. So temperature can change things. We don't have any temperature control. It's going into barrels that are made out of, of oaks, so, which is a natural product. So yeah. there, there are lots of variables variables out there and uh, it's it's not always going to go right
0: no that's part of the wonder of it all isn't it yeah <laughs> as as not, <laughs> it's easy for me to say that because i'm not paying the bill so <laughs> yeah it
1: doesn't doesn't feel that wondrous when you're chucking 400 liters of beer down the drain
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i'm sure it doesn't when i was Doing a bit of reading for this interview, Tom, I, I saw several references to your plans to build a dedicated barrel store next to the brewery. Is that something that's progressing or still part of the, the forward-looking plan?
1: Um, it's, it, yeah, it's more part of the forward-looking plan, I think, with everything that's happened
0: this year. Can't say I blame you, no, know, that's of... right. <laughs> keeping the lights st- on is, a, is an yeah, achievement.
1: exactly. So... Kind of just take a step back and uh, it's it's definitely something we, we want to do. And we've got a little piece of van next to the next to the brewery that we're not doing anything else with at the nice. moment. So mm-hmm. it will happen at some point. But but when I'm not so sure, we just got to got to make sure it actually all makes sense. And it's all yeah. going to stack up. And uh, yeah, we've got some really good ideas for it. Yeah. Kind of uh, when we started the brewery, it was all about doing things slowly and not rushing things. If something needs to take time, then. Yeah. Play time over it and and the same with building the business and making it making it bigger if if we don't think we need to or don't want to then we won't and when we do we'll do it and and do it small steps at a time
0: yeah no that's the beauty of, of you know operating on the scale that you are is you you can please yourself in that respect, can't you? You know, yeah. you can control the process and uh, and go with it. And the barrel store is going to have a cool ship in the, in the roof, I read as well. Is that uh, still part of the plan? Um,
1: yeah, that, that would still be part of the plan if mm. we were to do that. Um, nice. Yeah, it's just just have an area where we can just, basically, once we've produced some, some work, we'll pump it over there, cool it, put mm-hmm. it into barrels, and and hopefully just forget about it until it's, until it's ready to go. And it is the biggest problem we have in space because... Although we're out in the countryside, but it's not the biggest building in the world that we're right. we're based in. We've got the barrels we can fit in there and when they're full, they're full.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Occasionally put your feet up for a couple yeah. of weeks, yeah. Yeah. Let's have a chat about social media and how much attention you pay to online ratings and reviews. You guys are currently ranked thirty-fourth in England on untapped, which is not bad out of fifteen hundred odd breweries so you're obviously doing something which people are appreciating but do you pay much attention to untapped and instagram and god forbid you actually engage with people on there and you know (laughs) (laughs) um
1: i I think kind of on social media as a whole i I think it's it's a good place to interact with interact with customers you know we're, we're we're a small company we can do that if someone's if you message us on social media, it will be me or my partner Danny who works yep. at the very getting back to you. Craft beer should be different to, to kind of big beer and that's one way that they can be different they can talk directly to their customers the, the yeah. person brewing beer the person making the beer so i think that side of thing is is kind of important and and again with the stuff we put out on social media it's normally me just in the barrels or take a picture of something interesting and put it <laughs> up there it's not really not really anything kind of particularly thought out but yeah. but just just showing people what we're doing what we're up yeah. to on a day-to-day basis and hopefully it's it's quite interesting and a little bit different when it comes to things like untapped i think there is there is a place for kind of rating websites and like that but it's all kind of got to be taken into context so Mm. we're we're brewing some some kind of very interesting different beers and the people lots of the people drinking our beers like those kind of beers so they're they're going to rate them fairly highly Um, and if you look at somewhere something like untapped there's lots of really good breweries in the uk producing really amazing quality consistent lagers and stuff and they're not so So it's a it's if you kind of understand where people are coming from on those rating websites then it can be handy sometimes if you've got a particular beer that people are really loving it's really easy to see that and if there's a beer there that's that's not going down so well then you can see that as well so
0: and and um, does that factor into your future recipes and you know your future brewing schedule
1: um sometimes yes so if it will be in combination with uh, with other things so mm-hmm. if we brew a beer let's say we've brewed beers in the past with uh, elderberries and mm-hmm. they tend to go down very well on those kind of uh, on, on on things like untapped but I also think they're really good as well. So <laughs> there we uh, go then. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a flavour that works well with our beers. So and um, it's an
0: easy thing to forage as well, of course, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. It's, uh, There's always nobody else picks the elderberries, so you.
1: <laughs> so yeah, if people if people are tending to like your beers on a particular beer on Untapped, usually the people in general that are drinking your beer are liking that beer. So yeah. it can be useful in that way. I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as you say, no, I, it, it probably follows the same trend. So if something's selling really well, chances are it's going to get re- highly rated. And if something yeah. isn't selling so well, it also is not going to be rated well. So, yeah, it's almost like it's not in, in isolation. It's not really telling you very much.
1: No, no. Um, yeah, you can normally tell the kind of <laughs> beers that are going to be rated rated well on, on websites like that and which ones aren't. And mm-hmm. Some of the beers that I like drinking that we produce aren't always the ones with the highest highest ratings on, on, on there. So
0: You look at what the other guys in broadly in your sector of the craft beer market are producing and how those beers are being rated to influence your own brew um, selection?
1: i would say no i don't think i've used that to influence my own selection mm. I, I i would i possibly might sometimes look at them just out of interest and say yep. what are people <laughs> saying about this beer if, especially if i normally it would be if i drank it myself and i thought okay oh, wow yeah, this yeah. is amazing or oh, wow this is a little bit different but yeah, if I was going to try something maybe else someone else had tried, it would normally be because I'd tried it myself and thought, wow, this is different.
0: That was really oh, good. Yeah, i that, need to have a go
1: in that kind of okay. beer. So yeah.
0: So what do you like to drink? Um
1: I like. Don't say pills. Please beer, don't say actually. pills. <laughs> it's, yeah, I do like I do quite like a lager actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when the pub's open we often have something like lost and grounders keller peels on them yeah
0: yeah no it's after a day day in a hot
1: brewery (laughs) or something you know so there's different beers for different situations isn't there Um, yeah so yeah that's the way i look at it i like a i like a pint of bitter down the pub and Mm -hmm. like a pint of lager after after kind of a long day's work and maybe kind of a stout sitting down by the
0: fire in, in the middle of winter so see what percentage of your beer consumption would you say would be sour beers then just a matter of interest um, i'm not trying to get you in trouble with your gp or whatever it's just <laughs> it, yeah it's
1: probably it's probably not a massive not no. not a massive percentage no probably uh, sour beer in general is probably less than 20 percent. probably
0: okay interesting yeah what can we expect to see from little earth project in the next three to six months what have you got in <laughs> barrel which is about to come out tease us with a few uh, few interesting uh, future releases
1: well, we've we've just started putting beer into 375 mil half champagne bottles. Nice, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we started the brewery, we were just doing 330 mil bottles, right? And um, then we started doing a few kegs, and then we went over to doing some 330s and some 750s, mm-hmm. and the 750s went down really well. And just before this year, we decided to put everything into 750s, and then people weren't allowed to go around each other's houses and got to drink on your own now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm um,
0: doing my best here, by so, the way.
1: So. <laughs> so we 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 actually did a we actually did a poll in uh, August or September, and just just ask people. This was on Twitter, and yeah. asked people what how would you like our beer to come? How how would you like it packaged? What kind of bottles would you like it in? And yeah. uh, Lots of people commented and said those kind of 375 mil bottles mm-hmm. would look good and a, the right kind of size, especially you know, you the stronger beers. I think as
0: well, you know, in a in a 375 works really well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's what we're going to do. We, we brew some old British-style stock ales, porters. Mm-hmm. They're all done with our own yeast again, but they're they're kind of more old British styles. And um, we're going to carry on doing them in the uh, in the 750s, right? And do the kind of more sour fruit forward beers in the in the smaller bottles nice. um so yeah it should be kind of almost two they'll look slightly different so they'll they'll be the same brand but they'll kind of yeah be branded different so we've got some really interesting stuff coming out in then some things we've done before like Hedro blend which is uh,
0: yeah i had that kind of this uh, earlier this year with, actually in fact that Hedro blend was the beer that i broke my dry january with this year i was looking back <laughs> on untapped and that was the first of february my first drink of the year was was hedgerow Excellent. blend yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes we, we did that, that again this year and we've upped the amount of fruit in it so it's really kind of nice yeah um, uh, and and we, we tried to kind of balance the, the the beers a bit bit more in the last last kind of year so the beers that are coming out are probably going to be less in your face sour and more balanced um uh-huh. but also we've up up the fruit when we have used fruit so we've got some really nice balanced fruity drinkable beers coming
0: in in nice pretty bottles <laughs> lovely sounds good yeah excellent um what advice would you give to somebody thinking about getting into home brewing sour beers like yours
1: it would be just just go and do some research there's plenty of information out there online there's a a kind of whole wiki called milk the funk which is really good and if you if you want to know anything about sour beer if you've got kind of any any questions that need answering about about producing sour beer it, it's a really good resource and nice. there's there's quite a few kind of podcasts and, and various things out there as well and there's a um, a podcast Based in the us called the sour hour
0: yeah that's part of the brewing network isn't it network yeah yeah. Yeah. so
1: yeah i particularly when when i first started i kind of listened to all of them and there's right a lot of episodes (laughs) 10 and penny these
0: podcasts these days (laughs) everybody's doing it
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah i spent a lot of time listening to them Mm. um, because they're normally more than an hour um, right but they're quite good fun and they talk to professionals and home brewers and people who are all different parts of that sour beer work in different parts of the the brewery producing sour beer
0: it's it's quite good right yeah no definitely this is what i call the shout out to the little guy and here i invite you to mention a small local beer business doesn't have to be hyper local from your perspective because i'm not sure there's probably very many local ones that you can think of but somebody in i'll give you give you east anglia as a as local and what i'm looking for is you to mention somebody that you think is doing a great job in the service of craft beer generally not necessarily just a little earth project but doing a great job of furthering people's understanding and availability of, of great beer
1: there's a bottle shop in ipswich they've actually also got one in chelmsford called hopsters right and uh-huh. um, they're really into their kind of uh, big ipas and the they sell our beer as well, but um, yes. that's kind of not what they're into. But they they did a, uh, they ran a beer festival last year in in Ipswich and it's really not kind of uh, had a lot going on with kind of craft beer and uh, it's been a bit of a desert up until those guys came along and it was just a really good beer festival. Okay. We go nice. to ones all over the country. We go to, you know, some of the real big ones, yep. um, Indie Man up in Manchester mm-hmm. and, uh, and and Leeds and all over the country we go to yep. these go to these really big beer festivals that have been going for years and and yeah they just did a really good job of of putting on a, a a festival that was also meant to replace the camera beer festival um that didn't happen that year right so they had to kind of get that balance between uh making it interesting and keeping the kind of craft fans there and uh getting some stuff that the, the the camera lads would like as well and they right, just did, uh, yeah, did a really, really good job try. of it okay yeah and it was it was a shame that it couldn't happen this year because it was a it was a fun event
0: very good that's called hopsters hopsters yeah hopsters nice i'll put i'll put a link to them in the show notes and uh, yeah. uh, hopefully people can look them up then it brings us to the wrap-up question which is what would be your ultimate happy hour where would you be who would you be with and most importantly perhaps what would you be drinking um this is probably an easy one
1: <laughs> at the moment with not many pubs open. Um, but, but, you know, this is, I...
0: you, this is an imaginary happy hour, so, you know, a normal year.
1: <laughs> Back at the pub that we run with a, yep. with a nice yep. cold glass of, uh, 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 of Keller Pills chatting to uh, one of the many great brewers we know uh, across the country who are all trying to do all trying to do amazing things but are really struggling at the moment yeah. <laughs> it would be nice just to go and have a have a pint with any of them at the moment that's uh, yeah what i'd say
0: i'm happy with that yeah all right that makes sense all right tom <laughs> well, it's been great chatting to you thanks so much for your time and i guarantee i'm going to come and see you guys next spring possibly summer but i'm going to get my tent out the garage and i'm going to come and camp in your field and you may have trouble getting rid of me that's all i can
1: say i look forward to seeing you there all right
0: thank you very much Rob. have a good evening thanks very much Bye. bye coming up in the next few weeks we have interviews with some of the uk's most exciting craft breweries if you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you receive each episode automatically every Tuesday morning. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and leave us a review in your podcast app. It really helps others to discover the show. Full details on all our podcasts can be found at thisweekincraft.beer. You can also follow This Week in Craft Beer on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube.